This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me, Chris Hall, and him, Pete George. Well, today was supposed to be our season preview podcast where we run through the squad and uh, talk about where we think the squad is at this moment in time, where we think we need improvements, um, who we think might go, how ready we think we are for, for Blackburn, and make a few predictions. We will still do all of those things, but... In the last 24 hours, as we record at uh, just about 20 past four on on Sunday, there has been one thing that has dominated Albion Twitter X. Do, do, are we, are we going to really call it X? I don't know. But anyway, uh, all the social medias discussing Albion, all of the local media, it has been the Palmer drama, Pete. And this has all come. From uh, for anybody who's been living in a cave and doesn't know, um, this has all come from the fact that uh, on the eve of Albion facing Bolton, where Alex Palmer was very clearly supposed to start as Albion's number one in preparation for the game at Blackburn next weekend, um, Alex Palmer was uh, pulled from the team. Uh, Josh Griffiths was asked to play a second game in 24 hours. And the reason for Alex Palmer being left out was because he was... Had well, the club had received an offer from a Premier League club believed to be Luton Town, uh, believed to be somewhere around two and a half to three million pounds in in terms of the amount of the offer. Now, most of the the, the local media have been very vociferous, and I imagine this has been briefed in by the club that this is not an offer that's been accepted, but uh, but but uh, that the club are in negotiations with believed to be Luton over over the player. Now, what I would say. As I like to remind people, um, somebody who's worked at, at our very football club, you receive a lot of offers for players. In my general experience, you only pull the player from playing for one of two reasons, really. One is that their head is not in the right place to play, because they generally because they want to be off. Now, 
I don't imagine that's the case with Alex Palmer. Uh, he's a big baggy. I don't think he's he hasn't agitated for a move. He doesn't seem to want to go. So I don't imagine he's he's the sort of player who'd turn around and go, boss, I'm I'm not able to play today. I don't think I'll be here next week, et cetera, et cetera. The other reason would be that you honestly don't believe that the player is going to be here next week because you believe you are very, very close to selling him. Now, that's not necessarily what's being reported, but that would seem to be the only reason. Now, things have evolved a little bit in the last sort of, well, through Sunday, because now there are growing reports that Luton are interested in Christian Walton, the 26-year-old goalkeeper, sorry, 27-year-old goalkeeper from Ipswich Town. Now, if there is anything in that, and these reports are coming from Alan Nixon, who has mixed success um, in in predicting transfers and saying when things are happening. But if there is anything in these reports, then you can't imagine that that Luton Town are going to buy both goalkeepers. I can't see why both would go, because one of them is going to have to be the number two. And why, at uh, 26, 27 years old, would you want to go and sit? on the bench it doesn't it doesn't really make any sense when when both are number one at their respective clubs so there's a possibility that over the last few hours or last day or so that um things have moved on that the club have maybe asked Luton for more money this is all speculative from me by the way but driving this opinion that i have is Corbrand's response in the press when asked about the deal and asked about Palmer's absence after the game yesterday, which was to say that basically it's not ideal. He understands the position of the club. However, and he made a kind of very thinly veiled criticism of the club, saying that he wants the club to give him clarity on who he does or doesn't have so that he can prepare properly. Clearly, it was a bit of a sideways dig at the fact that he has prepared for weeks now for Alex Palmer to be his number one on the opening day. And now there's a possibility that the, uh, the Alex Palmer might not be the number one. Now, I might be adding two and two and making five here, but possibly I would imagine that when Carlos Corbran got back to the training ground, he wasn't very happy with the Albion hierarchy and that probably a few choice words were had. And possibly Albion have gone back to the table with Luton and said, look, either A, this deal might not happen, or B, what you're offering is not acceptable. Because I have to say, Pete, my personal opinion is that two and a half to three million is nowhere near enough for an English goalkeeper at in his peak years, who was statistically one of the best in the championship last season. And that Albion have either uh, have potentially gone back to Luton and said, "Improve your offer if you if you want the player." I hope that's what's happened because if the fee- figures being reported um, are accurate, then this is a disgraceful deal. And Albion, after having done what I think is relatively good business outgoing wise up to this point in the window, would be selling one of our best players on the cheap, and that to me is not acceptable. Either way, and I'm going to throw to you now, Pete, because I realise somebody will be timing my diatribe here but I think it's important to get all the facts on the table before we start discussing them or the facts and some of the um, speculation either way the way this has been handled is not particularly good uh, there's some debate as to when Corbram was told Saturday or Friday I'm 
to believe that it that it was more Friday that he was that he was told you're hearing differing reports. Some people saying it was around midday on the coach to Bolton. I don't think it was, but either way, Corbram was was told at relatively short notice. And if it was Friday, that would probably explain why Griffiths came off midway through the Forest Green game. So that's uh, that's fairly likely. That seems fairly likely to me that he was told on Friday. But nonetheless, it seems he's been told at short notice, and that he is not particularly happy with how this has been handled. I can accept us selling a player. I can't really accept the amount of money being talked about for Palmer. I think it's way too way too little. But I accept that we're in we're in a position where we have to sell players. That's not my problem here. My problem here is that Carlos Corbran is the single most important asset this football club has at this moment in time. And you do not go round undermining him keeping him out of the loop with things or just not giving him complete clarity and at least some level of autonomy over his squad. And he, I'm sorry, his comments in the in, in the press make it very, very clear that he's unhappy with how the club have conducted themselves over this prospective transfer and how they've disrupted his preparations for the opening day of the season. That is not acceptable. Whether Palmer goes or Palmer stays, Corbran has to be well and truly in the loop with all this. And he is our most important asset. That is what we need to protect. And we need to keep him happy, whatever that takes, Pete. And that, to be honest, is my big concern with the whole Palmer drama that has happened over the last 24 hours. It's not the prospect of selling Alex Palmer, although I'm very concerned about how much we seem to be looking to sell him for. My big concern is do not alienate Carlos Corbran to a point where he could potentially walk away from this football club because if he goes we are in all sorts of trouble well for starters I think if somebody is timing in that then that is going to be very close to the record um but yeah I agree with what you're saying especially about Corbran he's probably the most valuable asset the club's got at the minute so the last thing you want is him to kind of be feel like he's being pushed out and end up walking um because that's going to impact our season probably more than losing any player in the current squad. So, yeah, I mean, if that's how it's been handled, then it's it's terrible. And we definitely need to think about how we're handling transfers in the future um, and improve the communication there to Corbran. Um, in terms of the fee, I think it is low, but there's a lot of things that kind of... I mean, the fact that he's English doesn't probably doesn't play much of an impact for Luton because I think they've got quite a, a high number of domestic players, so it's not really going to affect their any quotas they need to meet um he's he's not really got too much um experience in the championship so it's still a slight gamble he obviously performed really well last season um but again it's 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 not many games to take into are consideration. you surprised they've gone for it um i mean obviously they know him because he had a very brief loan there but nonetheless maybe a little bit but i mean from their point of view it's probably quite smart because if they can be confident of his quality then the price can be knocked down a little bit because he's not got that much experience or evidence that he can do it in the championship let alone the Premier League um, obviously they probably know his character from having having had him and they know that we're desperate for money so again that probably knocks the price down from their perspective a little bit um, so I think in many ways it does make sense if they're looking for, for cheaper options which they, they probably are um, and they're generally very well run and 
um, recruit very smartly. So, it's yeah, obviously it would be a good move for them, especially if they can get them for that price. But for us, I, I think everything considered in the kind of position that we're in and have put ourselves in by telling clubs that we are desperate to sell and the fact that we've got Josh Griffiths behind, so it's not like we're missing backup. I was I was kind of expecting it to be around five million, which I think you'll probably feel is quite low. But the fact that we do but have Josh for Griffiths, Palmer, no, I think I think five million would be I think five million would be fairly acceptable. I think I, I think I'd consider that a reasonable fee. I just think I mean Talk Sport have said two and a half million, and then other outlets have said uh, have said three. I I mean when you if you are talking two and a half million, that needs to be doubled for me. Yeah, and that's what where I was kind of expecting it to be about five million. But yeah, as I say, we've got Josh Griff- Griffiths behind, so it's not like we've got to go out and buy a replacement. We're more replacing as long Josh as Griffiths. he stays. Who he? I mean, he because he's been linked with a move to Newcastle. Well, yeah, I think you'd have to definitely use some of the cash from the Palmer sale to to do your best time down to a longer deal. Um, a to keep him at the club and B just to protect his value a bit more because. Well, yeah, we can't afford to lose both keepers. So, unless we get a, a really good fee for them both, which kind of at this stage you wouldn't expect. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think losing Palmer is going to impact our season too much because we've got the quality behind him, and it'll probably help help Josh develop as well, so, which is always a benefit. But how, how much way- how much difference in quality do you think there is between them? Because I, I mean, we did this on the end of season pod that. Their, their stats actually by the end of the season, um, whilst Griffiths were, were were from a smaller sample size, um, are actually very comparable, aren't they? Yeah, I think Palm was um, generally better in kind of uh, shot stopping metrics and um, claiming crosses and high balls, but Griffiths was his passing and pass accuracy short and long. I think were both um, higher than Palmer's, so it seems like they've both got their strengths, but. I mean, compared to other keepers in the division, they both showed up pretty well. So, yeah, I think either would have been would have been good enough. But I mean, just judging them on age, you'd expect Griffiths to be able to develop a bit more than Palmer. So, I mean, game time is is going to be very valuable for him if Palmer does go. Absolutely. I mean, the the other the other thing is though, if one of them does go, Pete, I mean, it, it seems to have been made pretty clear. That um, and we're basically going to cover off the goalkeeper portion of the of the squad analysis whilst having this discussion because there's no point repeating ourselves in in, in a little while's time. But do we need to buy a goalkeeper if one of them goes? Because I think you just did the data. David Button hasn't played a minute in preseason since the behind closed doors friendly against Port Vale, where I think I'm right in saying he played 45 minutes. Corbran has sent a very clear message to him: you are you are not in my plans. Ted Can is extremely inexperienced. If Palmer were to go, do we need to bring somebody in to back up Griffiths? Well, you'd assume so, wouldn't you? Obviously, Button. It's been made clear that Colbran doesn't fancy him, um, and he had a. I a can't season. imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had a pretty terrible season last season, so it kind of makes sense. Um, I don't think you can rely on Ted Can to be a backup keeper. Because if, assuming Palmer does go or Griffiths Griffiths goes, then you can't just rely on one keeper. Because if they then get injured, then then you're in you're in big trouble. And it's a, a massive step up for Ted Can, who's I'm guessing never got a never played a minute in a 
not not in the league. I mean, he's play, he's been on loan to non-league, hasn't he? But uh, I mean, that's the other thing. I, in an ideal world, you'd like to send Ted Can out on loan because it doesn't do his development any good sitting behind Josh Griffiths all season. No, and yeah, I, I don't know what level he would be loaned out to, but I certainly wouldn't think it'd be anywhere near the championship at the minute. So you can't really rely on him to be your backup keeper, can you, if, if he's not at the, the the required level? Absolutely not. What about the bigger picture on all of this, Pete, which is the, the communication aspect, the, the dealing with Corbran. Corbran, whilst not coming out and slagging the club off directly, I think his comments um were I think it was clear the point that he was he was trying to make to the club. I mean what first of all what do you think about the point that he's trying to make that the club need to give him clarity on 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 who they who he has or hasn't got at this stage, you know, we're speaking on the thirtieth of uh, of July. Obviously, the uh, the the window runs until the end of August. Is it realistic that the club can even give him that clarity? Because it, he, they obviously don't know what bids are going to come in. I am a hundred percent of the opinion they need to conduct themselves better than they have in this instance. Because I don't imagine Carlos Corbran comes out and says those things if 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 he was told in good time. But I mean, he can't go from game to game not not being able to prepare in the week because if a bid comes in on Friday, then he's got to drop one or two of his star players for a, for a really important game. We've got four really tough games in August to start the season, so the communication has got to be there. And I mean, Ian Pierce made this. Uh, and sorry, there's going to be a little bit of an Ian Pierce bashing. Well, no, I actually I'm not sure it is an Ian Pierce bashing because I don't know what 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 actually happened. But if it was Ian Pierce who received the bid, and as I understand it, clubs who want to bid for our players are should be com- contacting Ian Pierce. If it was Ian Pierce that received the bid, then. He's made this big thing about his relationship with with Carlos Corbra and how close the two of them are. Well, it doesn't seem that way because because we we haven't even got into August and already there seems to be a breakdown in the communication between the the guy receiving the offers and the guy picking the football team. It just I mean, we know we've got this massive problem in terms of our hierarchy that we keep. Get hemorrhaging people, losing people, and we're not replacing them. And I've got, whilst I've been very critical of Ian Pierce, I've got a, I've, I've got a degree of sympathy for both Ian Pierce and Mark Miles, in that they, they're, they're not actually given more people. They're constantly just given more work. Said take more on into your job description. Because we're letting Ron Gourlay go, or we're letting Luke Dowling go, or whoever, and we're just not going to replace these people. And sooner or later, it's going to it's going to end up in things like this, or things like what happened last deadline day, where we, where we mess up a bunch of paperwork to get some deals done. It's no surprise that that that, that there are that things are falling through the cracks at West Bromwich Albion, because. We simply haven't got much of a hierarchy at all, and I honest, and this is going to be one of those rare occasions when I'm actually going to sit here and offer some rel- relative semblance of defence for Ian Pierce. I think those that we do have in the hierarchy, the likes of Ian Pierce and Mark Miles, are stretched too thin, and I think that's what we're seeing a bit here, isn't it? Well, yeah, we've let stuff go without kind of directly replacing them. We'll just move people up into positions and um, maybe not fill those positions that they've vacated. So. You're gonna start 
um, running thin in terms of number of numbers of staff. And yeah, it's well, I mean, from the outside looking in, it definitely all looks like a bit of a mess, and there's not much clarity on who's really in charge of what. Is it? Is this well, that was going to be my next point, Pete. Who actually is negotiating these deals? Because okay, the calls might go into Ian Pierce. Um, to say, you know, we, we hi, it's so and so here from Luton Town. Uh, you know, we're interested in Alex Palmer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then, when they put when they put a pound figure on it and say it's two and a half million for argument's sake, is is Ian Pearce in a position to negotiate that deal to go? No, sorry, come on, that's that's far that that that's nowhere near enough. Or, um, you know, is is it a matter of? I'll come back to you after I've spoke to the board. But then if he does, if he then does have to escalate that, who's he escalating it to? Is he escalating it to the owners, to um, to the likes of Lai and Ken? Because what on earth do they know about the value of a footballer? You know, if he goes to them and says, we've had a we've had a two and a half million pound bid for Alex Palmer. Are you happy to accept that? What do they know about the value of Alex Palmer? So I'm really concerned here. I, you know, I'm, I'm, under, I'm in no doubt that the initial call or email or whatever it might be goes into Ian Pierce. But from there, who is then empowered to make the decision? Does Ian Pierce have any power of negotiation? Does he have to go to Mark Miles or he, or does or does he go to Mark Miles and Mark Miles goes to, uh, goes to the ownership or does he go directly to the ownership? And if he is going to the ownership and with the jurist respect as well, even if he's going to Mark Miles, Mark is not has not got a football background. I mean, Ian Pierce quite literally said in his interview, "Everything football, that's me." So I would imagine these are not going to Mark Miles because that's uh, he's there to support Ian Pierce in the football operations, but he's not there to run the football operations, as I understand it. I could be wrong, but my worry, and this is my big concern, Pete, is that the actual end sign-off of these deals is probably coming from China. And if that is the case, what on earth do they know about it to to make that decision? Well, yeah, you'd think you'd well, you'd think you'd hope they'd go through some some football people first. Um, I mean, Ian Pierce has got a bit more of a football background, obviously, than Mark Miles. There's still been some questionable signings under him, but um, I mean, that would be a start. You'd hope that Cole Brand's probably in on discussions as well. Yeah, I mean, Ian Pierce would be the lesser of two evils, wouldn't he? I think is basically what we're saying. We'd rather he was touching it. Basically, we'd rather the the, the sort of decision was being made through Pierce and Corbrand than anybody else. Oh yeah, um, and I mean, we've talked a lot about the negatives of having managers um, control transfer policy, but when we seem to be so um, short of staff higher up the club that kind of know the way around a football club and know the way around negotiations and. I think you'd need your your head coach manager to be involved in the negotiations and probably the rest of the your recruitment team as well because I mean if you've got a big coming in for Alex Palmer then for starters you need to have a word with Corbran and ask if he's willing to lose and and if so how much and then you probably need to speak to and ask him if if he's gonna need a replacement as well and then you speak to the recruitment team and say how who have we got on the radar that we could potentially replace him for and, and how much are they gonna cost and does everything kind of fit into place there? But I mean, if it goes back to China to but the it, owners, sorry, then... Pete, just to jump in, I, I completely agree with everything you've said there. But it seems like what happened on, assuming it was Friday, what happened on Friday seemed to happen far too quickly for any of that to have occurred. 
Well, yeah, and Corum um, made it sound like he wasn't really aware that the deal was going to potentially take place or that there'd been a bid or that he'd been in, on discussion. So it, it doesn't sound like he was too privy to the information that Luton were interested or that there's a bid going to come in. Um, and, well, yeah, if it's just going straight over his head, then it, it can't be can't be good. And if it's going straight to the owners, then it can't be good either because, like you said, they're probably not really aware of what each player should be valued at and if they're going to lead Or, or their value to the team. Either, you know, uh, because, uh, and the other thing is, Pete, I don't understand why on the, if an offer comes in on the 28th of July, why you've got to try and rush to get it to get it done. It's not like it's coming in on deadline day. No, that that was the other strange thing about it, really, wasn't it? Um, yeah, um, I mean, I suppose if the reason that Griffiths went off um, against Forest Green was to um, allow Palmer to not play against Bolton, then it does seem a bit strange because is Palmer playing against Bolton really that much of a of a risk? Is he going to get injured against in that game and kind of put off the transfer? It's not like we're getting a massive fee for the transfer either if the reports are correct that it's 2.5 million so um, yeah it just seems to be have been handled. Palmer's not going to be one of our top earners either is he Pete? He signed his new contract before he did it before he'd actually um, I think before he'd even played a game for our first team. Was it? Well, I mean, either way, I wouldn't have expected he's, him. To he be... signed his deal at the start of last season, didn't he? I think he's, I think he's uh, uh, still got, he's still got like three years left on his deal. Yeah, I think it was until twenty twenty six. So yeah, three years. Um, you wouldn't expect him to be a top earner. I mean, I've already said it a few times, but he's not got much experience in the championship. Um, he didn't really have any until until halfway through last season. So. I mean, that's yeah. another reason why the fee's not good enough, isn't it? Three years left on his deal, and we're uh, and we're panicking, trying to rush him out the door. Mm, but it just—it does really just seem like we're desperate to get money, and I don't know. Maybe we've got somebody lined up that we need to push to get the deal done before somebody else snatches him up, and we need the money. But I can't—I can't see that for the life of me, Pete. This one—this one seems to have just completely completely out of left field. Because if that was—if that was the case, Corbram would have been aware of this. Yeah, it's true, and it's like I say, it just doesn't seem to piece together from the outside looking in, and it looks like it is just a has been a mess and dealt with terribly. And I mean, the big worry is that we pay the price and we annoy Corbrand too much, and and just have him looking around for potential other jobs or just not be as interested um, as maybe he would have been if he got full support from the the hierarchy. So. Yeah, Palmer's not the big worry for me. It's, it's, you know, getting on the wrong side of Corbyn. And that's got that's got to be the big thing here, hasn't it? As we as we say, look, I don't think either of us in an ideal world would like to see Alex Palmer go. I think we're both big fans of him, but we understand where the club is in terms of its current business. The bottom line is here: you've whatever you do, whatever we do this summer, has got to, in the end be done with Corbrand's blessing even if that's a reluctant blessing even if you sit there and you turn around and you say to Carlos Corbrand look we've got to sell this player because we the, the the money on the table is too good to refuse I know he's an important player but look we will do our best to get you a replacement in the loan market but you know say there's I don't know seven eight million pounds on the table we can't turn that down I'm sorry we just can't you know and just explain that to him and in the end have him say look okay fine but I want this guy on loan from I don't know Chelsea's Premier League 2 team or whatever 
go uh, make sure you go and make that happen have that lined up before you 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 put the ink on the on the paper to say he's going somewhere else you've got to do that you've got to keep Corbran happy my issue here is not the pr- prospect of selling Palmer as I've said before my issue here is the, is the prospect of annoying Corbran so much that he will walk and he showed in the past that when the club lets him down as as Huddersfield did that he walks away and we cannot cannot allow that Pete because I mean we're going to do our predictions for for where Albion will finish um later on in the pod and I'll say this now right with Cor- I'm going to predict on the basis that Corbran will be our manager for the season if Corbran walks at some early point in the season I can honestly see this being a scrap to stay in the league this year wow that is a a big shout um I don't I think Corbyn makes a lot better than almost any manager that would be able to persuade to join us. But I do think we have some very good players. Assuming we, we we did when we were bottom on the first of November as well, Pete. That's true. Um, yeah, you caught me off guard here. I, I I think we would stay in the league. I would worry about who would bring in as manager, um, and that would obviously have a big impact on it. But. I certainly don't think we'd be anywhere near pushing for the playoffs, and I think we could be under Corbran. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. Um, I, yeah, I think Corbran makes a lot better than than we would be without him. Um, and if we are pushing for playoffs and potentially do make playoffs, then I would struggle to see that happening without a massive influence from Corbran. Um, we saw how how well we did when he came in, completely turned it around, and. If it hadn't been for some key injuries, then maybe he would have taken us into the playoffs and who knows. But he's made us so much better than we were under Bruce. Um, Played some really good football and he's helped develop players as well individually. I mean, Malumbi looked, for example, looked like a completely different player under Corbran than, than before. And um, he'd, he'd matured over time. I'm, I'm not sure that was entirely down to Corbran, but the way that he was playing in the kind of the, the role that he was playing was Corbran and it just seemed to suit him so much and we got the best out of him. But yeah, I, I do think we, we would struggle without Corbran. So yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I'm not sure about the relegation shout, but I don't think we'll... I'm not saying we'd go down. I'm saying we'd be towards the bottom of the league and possibly sweating over over it. Because I think this I think this is a good division this year. I think it's a strong division. I don't think there's much between... I, I honestly don't think there will be that much in quality between the team that probably finishes 18th and the team that finishes 8th. Yeah, um, it is really strong, especially towards the, the top end of the table. There's a, a few clubs that were very good last season and, and were unfortunate to miss out on. Um, promotion spots and then obviously the three that come have come down as well are very good sides and are going to have a lot of uh, a lot of money to spend in the window to potentially um, improve um, yeah so it's, it's, it's definitely going to be a tight division I think um, so yeah I mean changing or not having Corbran could could influence our position by quite a few places Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great. There's nothing quite like playing at home, especially with Albion's home record under Carlos Corbran. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, obviously, Alex Palmer didn't play against Bolton. Josh Griffiths did um, and unfortunately conceded four goals in that game as we lost 4-3. Although by no means am I pegging any of the goals on uh, Josh Griffiths as his fault. Uh, for clarity, neither Pete nor I were, were at Bolton, We, but we've watched the, the highlights as, as many other people will have done, Pete. And uh, I mean, just to briefly talk about that game, we're not going to talk about it in any depth because it's not fair to do so when uh, when neither of us were actually at the match and neither of us watched the uh, the 90 minutes in its entirety. Um, no quibbles over over Josh Griffiths for for I mean don't think any of the goals really to be honest disappointing to get beat uh, from distance with with a couple of them but both look really really good strikes but I have I have to say the defending for the second and third goals by Ajayi and in particular Kipre and people know who listen to the pod regularly will know I I am very very concerned by Cedric Kipre I'm I'm not convinced by him in the slightest Um, and he hasn't done a lot in pre-season to make me start to have faith in him as as a starting centre half there is something of a concern that that those two played the majority of the game as the two centre halves that Maybe that is some indication that that they might be our starting centre halves at Blackburn. I have to say, for me, I seriously hope not. I really, really hope not because Kipre in particular is a liability. But even even Ajayi, for me, he has peaks and troughs of form, and at the moment he seems to be in a trough. When he's when he's good he's really really good but when he's when he's bad he seems to be unable to turn a performance in worthy of the name uh, and you look at the two goals the the middle two the, the second and third goals yes they Pete and if you haven't watched them they're available on the Albion YouTube channel so maybe just have a little look so you you know what I'm talking about the the second goal why why doesn't Kipre go and engage the player and the third one Kipre and Ajayi are in different postcodes. The gap, it's a chasm between them. Like, for the player to just walk into. Now, I understand what Ajayi's doing. He's he's trying to block the pass down the line, although that's not where the danger is. But either way, there has to be a level of communication between your two centre-halves to, to say, look, the danger is in the middle here. It's in the, it's, it's in the central area of the penalty area. So let's, let's close that gap. Let's, let's stop that as, uh, as, as a problem area. They, those two do not look anywhere near ready to play together as a pairing. And I would possibly go as far as to say they don't look ready to play in the championship as individuals either. Yeah, I mean, from highlights I've seen, Keeper has not had the best preseason, but I mean, there have only been highlights. Um, so no, but I saw a full forty-five minutes of him at Burton, Pete, and he was appalling. 
<laughs> Fair enough then. Um, but I mean, it's interesting that they they both played in the the final preseason game. You'd expect that that might be some kind of indication that Gorban is looking to start those two. I don't know if the actual performance might have uh, forced him to to change his mind. Um, but yeah, it's it's a strange one because Bartley's probably the better defender between him and Kipro, but it's a lot worse on the ball than Kipro is. So it depends how much value you're putting on on ability, ball-playing ability if you sent it back. Um, and Corbin probably placed quite a fair bit of value on it because he likes to, to kind of build out from the back and, and invite teams to put pressure on his centre-backs to then try and play through them. I think it was our first goal that we scored was kind of a perfect example of it, of just, you know, inviting that pressure and then creating this artificial counter-attack where we can just cut through the team and there's a lot of spaces once we've we got out of the first bit of pressure and then um, just kind of move through through the and up the pitch very quickly and, and catch them whilst they're maybe not settled in defence. But yeah, it's something that you might question whether Bartley would be comfortable doing. Um, I don't think I'd be comfortable watching Bartley try and get um, opposition players to, to pressure him and him attempt to play around them. Um, but maybe that's where someone like Caleb Taylor comes in if he's a little bit better on the ball than Bartley, but maybe a bit stronger defensively than, than Kipre. Um, or we go back to Eric Peters, but... And that's where I would go, personally, on the on the opening day. I just think there's some, there's, there's a level of solidity and reliability about Eric Peters. I really do. Yeah, I think the thing with Eric Peters is, I mean, for starters, I'm pretty sure he's not played any pre-season in centre-back, which seems quite strange to me if Gorban was planning on using him as a starter centre-back. I'd have thought he'd want to give him a bit more time to, well, a bit of time there to just kind of get back into the swing of things and, and be ready for the start of the season. The other thing is that under when it was him and, and Dara playing as the centre-back partnership, Peters was often kind of um, taking up positions as almost a, a left-back when we were building up with a, a three and Dara was in the centre and then Furlong and Malumbi kind of rotated from that the right-back position. Um so the emphasis wasn't completely on Eric Peters to, to directly kind of be the start of the build-up. It was on Dara. And I'm not sure if we're going to play the same system and play Eric Peters and Semi Ajayi, then I don't know if I'll be confident with Semi Ajayi being the, the main man for, for building out from the back. So Who who yeah. would you start then? If if if, if Corbran threw to you and said, Pete, pick my centre-backs uh, for, for Blackburn away, who would you pick? Yeah, it's a really tricky one. Um, I think if I had to pick, well, I think I'd have to go with Ajay and Peters, maybe. I don't know. Oh. See, I'd go completely different. I, I think if, if if Peters had had any any preseason at centre-back or enough game time, I would definitely, definitely pick him. I think it's really odd that he hasn't played there. I think purely on the basis that I don't think Peters has had enough game time, I'd probably pick Taylor and Bartley. See, I was thinking Ajay and Taylor, but I think it's a I think it's a tough ask to throw him straight into the first game of the season. Um, I would probably be more inclined to to ease him in and try and get minutes where we can, and and not throw him straight up into into Championship football. But I suppose he had a very good season in League One, so maybe maybe he is ready to to be thrown straight in. But I'm not sure with Bartley is a, is a great partnership, especially if we're looking to to build up from the back. Um, yeah, I, I re- it could go anywhere, to be honest. Um, 
and I'd hate MV Cobra and being in a position to have to choose it. Yeah, part of the reason I I picked that is because uh, is because we've looked so vulnerable from set pieces in preseason, and I just think those two, as well as Taylor actually having some ability on the ball, would give us the best chance of actually being defensively solid from set plays and balls into the box, and and I, I and I do think that will be part of Blackburn's threat as well. Yeah, and it it helped that, but then it'd probably take away a lot of the good things that we do in possession of the ball and actually attacking and being able to to create spaces in the middle of the pitch and the the final third of the pitch by making teams come onto us and impress us and having the actual ability to to play around them with our centre backs. So, I mean, anything you do, you're going to improve somewhere and get worse somewhere else. But I just feel like Bartley, especially, would take away so much of what we actually do well. So I'd find it difficult to, to start him. The bigger, the bigger picture with the centre backs, Pete. Um, just because we might as well start our, our squad assessment with uh, with that area of the pitch. Do you think? I mean, I th- I think there's a very good chance unless somebody leaves that we will have to go with what uh, what we've got, uh, which appears to be uh, Kipre, Bartley, Taylor, Ajayi. Peters and then Kelly seems to be frozen out somewhat, and I think he's one where, in an ideal world, the club would would like to find another club for him before the end of the window. I I, I don't think Kelly will play any real part. Um, so I'm kind of almost not counting him to a degree. I think our five senior centre halves are Kipre, Ajayi, Bartley, Taylor, and and Peters. Is that? Is that good enough for you? I, I I know in a in a in the real world it's probably going to have to be because I what limited budget the club have I can't see them sp- spending it on probably the most stocked area of the squad. But is that is that good enough going into the season for you? Well, obviously it depends where you want to finish, but I, I th- we've got a lot of options, but I don't think we've got any outstanding quality. I think we've sold our best our best defender. Um, and somebody that was key to how we played as well. So I don't think anybody kind of walked straight into the, the role that Dara was playing. Um, so maybe it will be good enough if we adapt to how we're playing. And um, obviously each defender's got their, got their strengths. So if we can play in a way that highlights those strengths as much as possible, then then it might be. But ideally, I'd like a little bit, bit more quality in, in centre-back. And it, well, I mean, it it does massively depend on Caleb Taylor as well, because if he can step up into the championship and play like he he did in League One, then it solves a lot of the problems. But you can't be sure that he's going to do that. So, um, yeah, that's that's why I would like moving, a bit more. Moving on to the fullbacks, and uh, obviously it doesn't take long to run through them. We've re- we've we've got Furlong and Townsend really. Um, Peters has played at left back a little bit in in pre season. Obviously, Zach Ashworth has gone on loan with a view to buy to Bolton. We do have Ethan Ingram who has played right back at, at points in pre season as well. How ready he is to back up Furlong is debatable. I would say. Um, He's not really had any senior league football, hasn't had a loan yet. And I think for me, Pete, what's in, I mean, first, first things first, do you think we need anything in terms of first team options? Because he seems to have done a lot of work with Furlong this, um, uh, this, uh, this summer. Furlong seems to be much more tucked in than, than before. He, uh, he played a great ball for our second, for our second goal, which then got threaded through. Um, 
And he, I noticed he was the one that Moat played the one-two with for our second goal against Burton as well. So it seems like Corbran has inverted him a little bit this uh, this summer, and he seems a very he seems to have a very clear specific role for Furlong, which presumably means he's got a bit of longevity in mind with Furlong, and it, and it's perhaps not a player that he's looking to to replace with Townsend. I think both of us, we've had enough conversations. We both recognize his quality, but I would imagine in your, in your mind, at least, uh, and certainly in mine, we probably need one versatile backup to, uh, to, to both, uh, to both of them, because I personally wouldn't want to be turning the, the backups at the moment seem to be Peters on the left and Ingram on the right. And I wouldn't want to be turning to either of those two as fullbacks. No, just dis- no disrespect to them, but I think Peter's days of playing left back are gone. I think he, I think he's too slow now. And Ethan Ingram, I think there really could be a player there in the future. And I do think he's developing nicely, but I don't think he's ready yet to, to be cu- thrown into the cut and thrust of the championship. Yeah, I basically agree with that. I think both Townsend and Furlong have, uh, definitely good enough to be starting players. Um, like I say, both seem to be inverting um, a lot, so it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out and the, the whole set of, setup of the team there. But we're lacking um, cover and options. It looks like it's going to be Ingram and Peters as the, as the two cover players, but yeah, I agree with you, neither of which would I'd be particularly confident in having, having to play a, a run of games if Furlong or Townsend do get injured. So I think we're on the same boat there. Moving forward and into the sort of like two deeper midfield slots, the the the, the eight and the six, as it were, the Yukoslu and Malumbi roles, as they were, uh, as the, uh, who were the players who played the majority of them last season. The options there seem to be relatively abundant at this moment in time. Um, Malumbi and Yukoslu, you would imagine, will be the first choice too, although Moat does seem to be pushing that somewhat. Um Chalaba is still there and hasn't moved on despite links with with him going possibly to Maccabi Tel Aviv and Taylor Gardner Hickman is is still there or thereabouts as well with um Jamie Andrews as a bit of a young option sitting behind that obviously the the sort of looming specter a little bit over over this particular position is the fact that and Joe Chapman emphasized it in a very very good article which he did today uh, that that there are still links that Malumbi might move on this summer and i think that's a worry for all of us i don't see Yokoslu moving on given the money he's on given the age that he's at i think he will be here Come the start of the season and beyond, and uh, uh, throughout the whole season, uh, it's looking less and less likely that Moat will move on. The noises Corbran has made seem to indicate that he is he is a first choice player for him, and he feels he gives him good options. Chalaber, I think we would move on if we could, but whether we can or not remains to be seen. And then there's Taylor Gardner Hickman, and I don't really, we, you know, we'll talk about Taylor again in a minute because he also offers something in the ten. I mean, he and and he's he's somebody we could have mentioned in terms of options at fullback as well, Pete. But I don't really know where he fits into into the team at this moment in time. I'm not sure Corbran really knows where Taylor fits for him. I don't think he sees necessarily sees a obvious role for him in his setup. So, I mean, two questions for you, really. First of all, do you see enough options there at present, even 
even if Chalobah were to move on, would you see enough options there at present? But obviously, if Malumbi moved on, we would probably need to do something. And just on Taylor Gardner-Hickman, where where does he fit into it? Where does he fit into this Albion team? Does he fit in to this Albion team, into this core brand setup? I think in terms of options and centre-mid, we're quite well stocked. And it's quite nice to have a variety of skill sets as well. Um, obviously, you've got Yukuslu as the, the most defensive of the options. And, you know, he's very good at just kind of sitting back and mopping up any counter counterattacks and protecting the, the back four. Um, and he's excellent in the air as well. So lots of positives there. Mo, it's kind of, he's probably probably the best on the ball of the, um, in terms of his passing range and um, the ac- accuracy of his passing. Um, and if we are going to look to, to play on counter-attacks and he's probably got the best experience of that as well, playing under Ishmael a lot where, you know, it'd be, it'd be fast breaks quite often. So finding the right passes and, yeah, picking them early enough to, to not slow down the counter-attack could be useful there. Malumbi, as everyone knows, is full of energy and um, he's going to get up and down and, and do his defensive work, but also get into the box and be a threat for, for cutbacks and, and crosses and everything. So probably get a couple of goals. Um, yeah, Chalabra, I'm, I'm not really sure on what he was brought in to offer. Um, so he's probably the one that I'm, I'm least comfortable with getting a fair amount of minutes. But Was he um, possibly brought in to do what Corbran has seen that Moat can do uh, and to be and to be the one who's comfortable on the ball and can, uh, and can play a little bit, but he just, just hasn't really lived up to it? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, quite possibly. And, and that might be why. No, it's now sticking around because Corbran's seen that he can do it and is a better option than than Chalaba was for for doing it. So um, yeah, he could be right there. So I think I think we're quite well stocked there in terms of what we'll start with. I, I'm, I don't, I, yeah, I wouldn't really know what what Corbran's plans are for that. Surely he'll start with Malumbi and Yukosli, won't he? I mean, unless yeah. unless there's any, unless of course he gets uh, there's a bid from Luton Town on Friday afternoon for Jason Malumbi, of course. <laughs> yeah, well. You'd think it'd be quite hard not to start the, those two as the pair um, after the performances last season. I mean, the noises that have been made is that he rates them out highly, so and sees them as quite interchangeable for, for the others. So it might be a case of what he's expecting from Blackburn and, and who's the best suited for playing that individual game. With Taylor Garner-Hitman, I think, I mean, I see him as somebody that could play in a very similar way to, to how Malumbi played last season, where he he quite often drifts out wide because then it... Well, that was going to be my question, Pete. If Mullumby goes, do we need to replace Mullumby or is, is Taylor a viable alternative? And do you think Corbran will see Taylor as a viable alternative? I think he could be a viable alternative. He's obviously much less experienced and probably less... less Reliable. Less reliable, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I, Malumbi does. Malumbi does not make the mistakes that um, that that Taylor makes. I, I, I think maybe Malumbi did in his in his loan season with us, but I don't. I don't think he makes those mistakes now, and and I don't think he. I think one of the problems with with Taylor at times is, which is a real quality of Malumbi's. Malumbi is very very good at picking the simple ball rather than trying to go for the killer ball and i think uh, i think taylor can overcomplicate things at times when the easy ball is on but you know he wants to do the difficult thing yeah and yeah so i just don't know if you can rely on him for, for the full season if Malumbi did go but 
I think there's probably better areas to spend the funds on if we did go like getting an actual, getting another striker in. So it's, yeah, it, I mean, it all depends on where you want to spend the money. And the fact that he was in the Forest Green squad um, with the rest of the youth players probably doesn't doesn't show much confidence from Colbrand um, in his ability. Otherwise, you'd expect him to be on the pitch against Bolton rather than um, with the rest of the, the young players against Forest Green. Yeah, Corbrand doesn't strike me as the type who um, who who uh, beats around the bush particularly. Uh, do you think Do you think he's sending a bit of a message to Taylor about where where he where he sees him? I mean, it, and to be honest, if he's if he's sending that message to Taylor Gardner Hickman, potentially he's sending the same message to Caleb Taylor because he played in that game. Yeah, exactly, and that's why I was um, kind of why the, one of the reasons I wasn't sure if if Taylor would start um, in the first game of the season but yeah I I didn't expect Gardner Hickman to be in that team but maybe he just wanted a couple of well not experience but experience in, compared to the other players playing um, in that game so yeah it's a strange message to, to send to him. Moving forward and looking at the 10 where naturally speaking we've probably only really got John Swift although uh, our new signing Sarmiento can play there and but unfortunately he is a few weeks away from full fitness. Now, there are other alternatives. You could potentially play Matt Phillips in that role. We have deployed Jed Wallace, I would say, with limited success in that role. Or, again, you could play Taylor Gardner-Hickman there. For, for you, Pete, do you think that we need to do any more recruitment for that for that particular role now that Sarmiento has, has come in? Or... I suppose does it depend really on you know if if say Grady went out if Sarmiento is going to be our regular left-sided player then maybe you do but if he's if if Grady's going to stay then maybe you don't does it just entirely depend on outgoings or do you still think we need an option in the 10 I'd say it depends on outgoings I think currently we're probably got enough players that can play in the ten and play out wide to to cover all the positions. Um, obviously, if if Swift did, did injured, then you could then move Samiento from left wing if that's where he was playing, move him inside, and then have either Matt Phillips or Grady Diangana there. And yeah, I think the kind of um, the versatility of a few of those attacking players to be able to play central or on either wing probably is enough cover um, currently to is, is, to be confident. Could could is Grady? potentially a good 10 i i quite like he's moved he's moved in there in game a couple of times so he's almost never started in the 10 but he's been moved in there in game a few times and every time i see him in that role he seems to cause teams problems i i feel like there's a uh, there's potentially a a 10 uh, in grady yeah possibly um i don't know if he'd have the um whether he'd be able to impact the game enough over the course of the last minutes I don't know if he'd get lost in there, maybe. And obviously, then you lose out on his, his work rate down the wings to, to help out his fullbacks. I think he's yeah better suited out wide. But I mean, if we were forced to, I suppose he could probably try him there. But I just, I think he might get a bit lost and, and not have the space that he would if he was playing out wide. Moving on to the wide areas of the pitch, Pete. And given that it was an area of the area of the pitch that we were so bereft of off, uh, of options in by the end of last season we actually look reasonably well stocked now Grady Dean Garner has been injured for quite some uh, quite some time um he 
is I don't think he's he's quite near fitness. But the update um, from the medical team in the press the other day was reasonably positive that he doesn't seem to be very far away. Then on the left hand side, you've got um, Matt Phillips as well. You've got Sarmiento can play either side. I mean, Phillips can play either side. To be honest, out of the wide players, there only really seems to be Jed Wallace, who is very much one plays one position because I think if Jed Wallace doesn't play wide right, I just don't think we get the best out of him. But the rest of them seem very versatile, whether it's Fellows can play either side, Sarmiento can play either side. Um, Dean Garner probably is much, much better on the left, but could do a job on the right if needed, just about. Phillips can play play either side as well. And then we haven't mentioned Adam Reach yet, uh, who is an option on the left. We probably should have mentioned him as an, an option at left back and potentially an option in, in the 10 or in the eight uh, as well, to be honest with you. Although I'm not sure any of those are particularly his best positions. I think where you're probably going to see the most productive elements of Adam Richard somewhere down that left-hand side, either at left back, left wing back, or at, uh, as, as a, as a wide left player. I, uh, would it be fair to say that, as things stand, and again, we are very much caveating this because there's hefty rumours that Grady will move on. Even with somebody like Matt Phillips's injury record, even with having to wait a couple of weeks for Sarmiento to get fully fit, do you think now with the signing of Sarmiento that we have enough options in those wide areas? Got Tom Fellows as well come through. Jamie Andrews has showed he can, he can play out there as well. Is there enough in those areas for you? Yeah, again, I think there probably is enough there um, if we don't lose any more players. I think you've got Jed Wallace as probably your starting right winger and then on the left, you've, it looks like you're going to have Sarmiento, but you've got Matt Phillips that Coran seems to favour on the left, but we've seen him play on the right many times and, and the same with Dian Garner, but I think with all of them, then you do probably have enough cover to kind of work your way around and obviously a couple of youth players as well, which um, Tom Fellows and, and I think Malcolm... Um, has potentially had a few minutes out on the on the left. Yeah, pre-season. sorry, I didn't even mention Joven Malcolm, but of course he's he's another option. So I think with all of them, you've got plenty of options and cover to to kind of not be too worried about losing um, players through to, through injury. And lastly, we've got the centre forward position now. Daryl DK again a relatively positive update uh, on on his injury situation, but. The, the the medical staff said that they had never expected to really see him back before November and and that he seemed fairly on track to to do that i i think you know i would imagine after after the series of injuries that Daryl DK has had that he will be handled with kid gloves somewhat so i i think we will do well if we probably see him before late November early December time we've obviously just got Brandon Thomas Asante as far as a senior forward in those areas goes beyond that you are looking at Reyes Cleary who obviously has uh, figured I don't think has figured at all in pre-season because he's been injured and then Mo Fall, who uh, who uh, wasn't figuring until he signed his new contract and then and then has figured a little bit more since then I mean we've gone through Pete and other than the fullback areas I think we've been reasonably positive about the options that Albion go into the, the go into the season with I have to say, I think this is the one where we're just going to sit there and go, 
we've got to get somebody in and we've got to get somebody in soon. Links to Sorry Cabba, uh, I saw the other, the other day, that would not be a loan deal I would be against. I thought he he looked like the right profile of striker and and scored a few goals for Cardiff on uh, on loan last season looked at, it looks a decent option but whoever it is obviously we've got to get the right players in of course we do because there's no point wasting money on players that aren't up to it but we i think this is the area of the pitch which needs a player most urgently doesn't it we do need cover at fullbacks but if you if you are if if you're Ian Pierce at the moment, surely your priorities have to be first and foremost a centre forward without any shadow of uh, of a doubt, and then probably a versatile fullback who can play both sides, isn't it? Yeah, we definitely need a striker. Um, I think Thomas Sante will do well next season or this season, but you can't go into the season having him as your only fit senior striker. Um, you're asking a lot of Mofal and Malcolm and. Cleary to step in if if Thomas Santi picks up an injury then I don't think you can be too confident of of any of them stepping straight into the, the starting lineup and, and being effective enough to, to score the goals, push up the league. So yeah, I think that's kind of the position that we've got to prioritise. Um and then and then yeah, look at the fullbacks after that. Brilliant. So we we will then move our way on uh, Pete, to the the part that obviously we both look forward to, the part where we get to uh, prospectively make ourselves look quite daft uh, going forward into into the new season, and that is the predictions. So we will start off with the uh, predict your three clubs to get promoted this season. I'll let I'll I'll let you go first. We'll rotate who goes first. So I've got. Southampton, uh, Middlesbrough, uh, Sunderland, I think I was thinking Sunderland, yeah. Southampton obviously come down, um, I think they're going to have a, quite a strong squad, a young one, and a fair bit of money to spend as well if they want to m- make a few signings. Um, I think Middlesbrough were obviously excellent last season, and um, Carrick was you know, performing, ex- performing really well with them and got them playing well, so I think they'll be up there, and I think maybe Sunderland through the through the playoffs again, Mowbray was excellent with them, and they've got a very young squad that you'd expect to improve this season as well. So, what about you? Well, we're going to go quite different here because I'm going to go with Leicester. Um, for me, they're 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 the team I can see running away with it. I completely agree uh, with Middlesbrough. I think. I think they're just growing a project there under Michael Carrick, and I think they will they will take a step on from from last season. Um, they would be my top two. Who I end up going with through the through the playoffs? I'm gonna I'm gonna say Leeds, but uh, um, so they're going to be my pick. But I am just going to give a little mention to. I think my dark horse for this season is Hull City. And I, I I think they've done nice business. They finished last season really strongly. Rossini's got them really really solid at the back. I think they could they they, they will make the top six. I'm I'm having I'm having an all Yorkshire uh, uh, Yorkshire fight. Well, technically Hull's East Riding, which I know from being there at university. But let's for the for argument's sake, let's call it an all Yorkshire final and Leeds beat Hull at Wembley. I didn't realise you're asking for an underdog as well, but um... no, 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 I wasn't. I'm, 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 as per usual, Pete, giving more information than than was required of me. Well, I can, I can have a, I'll pick one. Um, I will say underdog is Ipswich Town. Um, I think they'll have a good season and be 
They're, they're fifth in the bookmakers' odds to go up. Can you really call them an underdog? <laughs> are, are they really? Yeah, okay. they're, they're, they're the fifth favourite to win the league. <laughs> wow. Okay. I think I'll pass on that one then, because yeah, you probably can't call them an underdog. No, the the other the other one that I would I would say is a dark horse for me is Blues. I think they've yeah. done, I think they've done some really 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 good business. And if they if they get somebody to score the goals, because I don't really rate Jukovic and Hogan as goal scorers. I think if they get someone who can, on say on loan or something who can stick the ball in the back of the net, I think they could be a real threat this year. Yeah, they, their business has been very impressive. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them pushing the playoffs as well next season. We'll move on to our relegated three. My turn to go first. I've got Chef Wed to go down. I think they're just a bit of a basket case of the club uh, of a club at the uh, at the moment. Um, the 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 man, uh, the chairman used a chunk of Cisco Minotti's uh, press comments. I haven't seen it, but I've been told he 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 used it to have a go at Carlton Palmer, which is just bizarre, to be honest with you. So I, I I'm not a fan of any club that seems to be a bit of a bit of a circus like that. Not. Not that we aren't, but you know, I'm not picking. I'm certainly not picking us to go down. Huddersfield, despite the um, the the Warnock factor, they've done like no business. Even I mean, they've 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 signed slightly more players than us, but they've signed a fullback and a goal and a second choice goalkeeper, which is not setting anybody's pulse racing. I, I would suggest, and I think unless Huddersfield do some business, I think they're in in big trouble. And and then I think a lot of people have gone for QPR, and, and so have I. I do think if they've been Gareth Ainsworth fairly early on in the season, they could have a turnaround in fortunes. But uh, I mean, they got they got smashed by Oxford um, yesterday, and I, I, there's a lot of QPR fans that I hear feeling very very negative about this season. And after the way they finished last season. And that result in pre-season, and they've lost a few players as well. I can kind of see why. Yes, I'm, I'm similar. I've got um, Wednesday for similar reasons, as you said. Um, Huddersfield, I, I can't see them escaping it this season. I think if it wasn't for Warnock, then they'd have been in big trouble last season. And I don't know if he's going to have the same impact over a full season, because I think he, he's still there, isn't he? Yeah, 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 he's- yeah, so I think I think maybe over a full season it's not the same impact as the the kind of new manager bounce that they had. Um, and then I've got Rotherham as well, who seem to just kind of bounce between Championship and League One, but they they stopped that bounce last season. But you know, losing Ogbené is going to be a massive loss to them. So yeah, I think they might struggle this season. Blimey, you don't like Yorkshire much, do you? <laughs> well, I think we've got a lot of clubs in Yorkshire, isn't there? So. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, I think this is going to be really, really straightforward, and we're probably both going to go for the same name. Albion's top scorer, uh, Brandon Thomas Asante. Yep, same from me. Just purely on the basis of how late in the or, or how many games uh, DK is probably going to miss, because I think I think if DK was back a month earlier, I I would have been tempted to have gambled and gone for him, but um, because I I do think he will score with more frequency than Brandon Thomas Asante, but it seems like he's basically going to miss the first three three and a half months of the season. So um, you you kind of got to go with the only other striker we've got. Will Carlos Corbran beat Albion boss at the end of the season? I very sadly have gone with no. I don't see it. Yeah, and I've got the same. I think he'll probably leave, to be honest, rather than get sacked. And yeah, um, agreed. Especially after what's happened over the past weekend. Agreed. Um, current owners, will they still be the owners at the end of the season, Pete? 
I think they will. If we're not pushing promotion, then the value is only of the club's only going to be going down. And I don't know if we'll be willing to take. Well, I don't think they'll be willing to take a big enough loss to get somebody that's seriously interested. I think they will as well, although I don't say that with total negativity. I just think that the deals to buy football clubs take time. I do think we will be, I would like to think we'll be at least in negotiations with someone to buy the club by the end of the season. I think I think the ownership situation will have moved on a little bit, but I, I don't think we will have got to a point where we've completed a takeover by the end of the season because we don't seem to be close at, at this moment in time. Um most bookings now. I uh, Malumbi obviously won it for me last year. I haven't gone with Malumbi this year purely on the basis that I don't think he will necessarily still be at the club. Um, I, I think there's a decent chance he will move on. Um, so I've gone for Furlong, Pete. I think I went for Furlong last season, but this you season did. I'm going Malumbi. So so we've swapped. I thought I thought we might. I thought we might. Um, but yeah, I, look, I think Malumbi, if he plays the whole season, will get more bookings. I just I, I just got a nasty feeling he's going to be one of the ones to depart before the window closes. Yeah, can't really um, argue with that. I'm just hoping he is here for the whole season. So if he is, I think he will get it. Which two centre backs will get the most minutes uh, for us this season? I've gone for Semi Ajayi and Caleb Taylor. I think Taylor might not start as the one of the centre backs this season, but I think he'll work his way into the into the starting eleven fairly early and kind of settle in from there. I agree. I've gone the same. I think Ajayi and uh, and Taylor. Um, I, I sort of toyed with Eric Peters, but then the fact that he just hasn't played there at all uh, in pre season just makes me think that. Yeah, he 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 won't be involved that much. Um, most assists, fairly obviously, I've gone with John Swift. Okay, I've gone with Jed Wallace. I think hey. he'll, uh, he'll get a lot from whipping balls into the box, so that'll be interesting. I think it'll be a tight one. I, th- I think it will as well, and there wasn't that much in it, I don't think, last season, but just Swift for me pulls all the strings. Um how many points do you think we will we will gain during the August fixtures? Now that obviously is um, four games, which uh, is Blackburn away, Swansea at home, Leeds away, and then Middlesbrough at the Hawthorns. I think we'll get seven. I think we'll win the first two and then pick up a point from one of the other two. Blimey, that is optimistic. I've gone four. <laughs> I've gone really miserable. I, I, I just, I just think Corbrand's going to get messed around until the window closes, and I don't think, I don't know whether he's go, he's going to actually be able to, um, uh, to have any solidity in his team. I think he will. I think we will get quite a few points in September, but I, I, I just think that uh, he's going to get players late in the window. They're probably not going to be able to play in the vast majority of those games. I think he's he's going to have to have a patchwork. Squad quilt of a of a side during the course of of August which is why I've kind of gone for two defeats a win and a draw basically um Albion's final position I have gone with ninth Pete I went for one better eighth just on the edge of playoffs again yeah 
and and mine is purely based on Corbrand staying. Um, I don't I don't think we'll be far off the playoffs if Corbrand stays. I really don't. I don't think we'll be. I don't think we'll be more than a win or two um, off the off the playoffs. It's so hard to. Be, this is this was probably the hardest one to predict, Pete, because without knowing who is left at the end of the window and whether Corbran has really really lost his rag with the with with the club and and walked off into the sunset it's really really hard to know what you know where we would finish isn't it yeah of course and yeah i mean if Corbran's here for the full season then it's going to be higher than if he wasn't but yeah it's and we don't know which players are going to be here either so yeah it's a pretty impossible one to predict and lastly the tiebreaker, if indeed we do need it, the amount of minutes Matt Phillips will play in the league this season. I'm going high. I'm going for 1,850, which will be his most since 2019-20 season. Wow, you've gone much, much higher than I have there because uh, I have gone 800 minutes less than you. I've gone with 1,050, which is about 100 drop-off from uh, from last season. I've pretty much worked on the basis that um, he'd start nine or ten games and, and maybe have some other bits and bobs in amongst there. So uh, no, nowhere near as much uh, faith in Matt Phillips's fitness uh, as uh, as you have. Um, so... Well, that's that's pretty much it for uh, for for the preview pod. Um, obviously, the season starts away at Blackburn, um, and we shall see what team Carlos Corbran picks, how Albion kick their season off. And uh, also, just to say as well, Pete and I will be doing our one to twenty-four predictions for the uh, for the league. We're not going to do them on the pod because that's you know that that's fairly it's fairly boring to go through a, a, the whole league when this is a West Brom specific podcast. We, we you don't need to hear us uh, tell you where the team who we think is going to finish sixteenth or whatever. It's the, but we will we will put those together and uh, we will tweet them out on the on the pod account. But we will be back after the Blackburn game, when hopefully we have a positive start to the season to talk about. And hopefully Corbran is able to pick the same side on Saturday at 3pm as he wanted to pick on Friday afternoon. So we keep our fingers crossed. But until then, thanks for listening and up the baggies. Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNuggets share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.